so good to be with you again. And uh, I was trying to think about it when Mark said uh, how much I've been home. I think I've been, it's been almost six weeks this year I've been home so far. So that's, I leave on Tuesday for uh, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, and Bahrain. So I'll be in the Middle East for three weeks. So uh, they don't have, everybody doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. And my wife was going to work anyway, so she said, why don't you just go ahead and go? So they want you to come then, and that was the only way I could fit it in. So uh, I'll be out there. And I just got home, uh, I think I was home, got home on a Tuesday and left on Friday for North Carolina and then Chicago where I saw Mark and went to Boston and came back and was home one day and then off to Wichita, Kansas. But now I'm here for a little while, a week, 10 days. But it's great to be home, and uh, I apologize for my wife. She's uh, she's a nurse, and they changed their schedules all the way around. She used to always have weekends off, but now she has to work every other weekend. So uh, appreciate your prayers that she'll get another job. That'd be great. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that just what the presence of God that was here? Isn't it wonderful that God wants us to realize how much He loves us and He's committed to us and He's for us? And uh, he doesn't want us to be fearful of his presence. That's the thing we should yearn for and desire is his presence more than anything. In fact, he tells us in Exodus 33, that will be the distinguishing characteristic of my people is my presence will go with them wherever they go. And uh, that's so so important. Uh, I just came back from being in Europe, and then I was in South Africa, and then first time into the Indian Ocean uh, in an island called Mauritius. I was just out there, and uh, the Anglican Church, which is the Episcopal Church in America, opened their doors because they're hungry for the things of the Spirit. And now they've just asked me to come back in April, and they've opened up another island reunion, and they opened up another island, the Seychelles, and just God is opening doors that are just unique doors and opportunities and that's my prayer and that's what I would hope you would pray is that God would open up doors that are outside of the realm of the status quo we need to break into territories where people aren't at and around and uh, in Qatar where I was at two years ago when I went to the church it was a thousand people last year when I went it was 1500 people I'm looking forward this year that it's going to be probably close to 2000 people because God is touching people and they're hungry. I had the privilege of uh, having tea with an ambassador, a Muslim ambassador in Doha. And uh, halfway through our meeting, the Lord gave me a prophetic word for the man. As I began to speak to him, he stood up and pointed at the guy who took me to the meeting and said, Rob, have you told him anything about me? And Rob was able to speak up with integrity and say, actually, I don't know anything about your personal life. Uh, And then the man sat back down, but at the end, the conclusion, he got up and just walked over to me, wrapped his arms around me, and said, please, please, next time you come to Qatar, any time you come to Qatar, please come and see me. I need to hear God. You know, Muslim people as well have the same father we had, which was Abraham. And we need to have a heart that's open that realizes that God loves them and wanting to draw them to himself. And I can tell you countless stories of God uh, revealing himself to Muslim people. 
And one of them recently was a guy was cleansing him, himself, and they have a little pool. They cleanse themselves before they go in to offer prayer. And as he was cleansing himself, he saw a man's reflection in the water, and the man said, My name is Jesus, and I am your Messiah. Another one in Dubai, he came to the Friday meeting because that's when they celebrate churches on Friday. So next, this coming Friday, I'll be having church with people in the Middle East. Uh, but he came to the meeting, and at the conclusion of the meeting, the, uh, the pastor, a friend of mine, said, how did you hear about us? Because they, you're not, they don't advertise there. In fact, uh, my friend's church, they're not even registered. The government kind of tolerates them, but because they're not registered, they can't have a bank account. So I asked him, how do you cope with that? And he says, well, we have a safe that holds $2 million. They have to pay everything in cash. So this guy, he goes, how did you hear about us? The guy says, I had a dream, and in the dream, this man came to me who said his name was Jesus. He gave me this address and said, if you go here, you will find and meet your Messiah. See, we need to be praying. Yes, there's a lot of difficulty in the Middle East, but we need to be praying that God will touch people in the Middle East. So I said I had the privilege of ministering in the island of Mauritius, and while I was there the first night I was ministering, uh, five people accepted the Lord. And the Lord just said, uh, spoke to me about healing people with hearing problems. So I invited people up, and there were five people that were either deaf in one ear or deaf in both ears. They came up, and then the Lord said, have those five people who just received Christ, let them pray for them. So those five people prayed for those deaf, five deaf people, for the deaf people. By the time they prayed, either the first time, second time, or third time, they all had their hearing, and the fifth one got 75% of his hearing restored. You see, from day one, we need to have an expectation that when people come to Christ, that God wants to use them. And what does that say to you and me? That says, God wants to use us. He's not a respecter of persons. He just wants to use us. In the, when the early church, the Holy Spirit was poured out, they didn't have any books or manuals explaining what to do. They just operated on what Jesus said. And Jesus said, as you go, talk about the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, devils freely you receive, freely give to people all around you. And that's what God's called us, the church, to do. Isn't that wonderful? That's exciting. You should be excited. Oh, he's called me to do that. <laughs> anyway, I want to share a few things with you this evening and I think that will be helpful. I, I told Mark I came with three messages prepared. I could share any one of them. And often I told my wife, I said, generally in the worship, God will clarify what he wants me to share. And what he clarified to me was none of the three. <laughs> so I'm trying to just keep in step with what he is doing. And so that's what I want to do. But in Romans, the third chapter, verse 23, and most people will know this verse. It's very familiar as I, I read it to you. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so most Christians and individuals in their mindset and the psyche that's in them have a mindset of, I don't measure up to the fullness and to the glory of God. And 
I want to help dispel that this evening because you see, God has created us to carry His glory. He's created us to do that. And in Psalms, the 8th chapter, I want to read this to you, if that's okay. It's, it's only nine verses, but it's, it's really great, this portion of Scripture. And I, I feel like kind of a father coming back here. If I, if I lived here all the time, I would be very tempted to come to this church. Amen. Psalm 8, verse 1, here's what it says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you've ordained praise. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. That's why you ordain praise. To silence the foe and the avenger and the enemies of God. Praise will cause the enemy to flee. Remember the story in the Old Testament? We put the praisers out front. And when the praisers went ahead of the army, God broke through. And the army just picked up the remnants and defeated the enemy. So... Verse 3, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. God has crowned us with glory and with honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything, and everything means all and excludes nothing. You've put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the God that we serve. The God that has crowned us with his glory. What kind of crown are you wearing this evening? What crown do you have? Do you have his glorious crown upon you and that you, you act and display his majesty and splendor and the royalty of who he is because of who he has made us to be? displaying it wherever we go, not with arrogance, but with quiet confidence of who God has made us to be to impact the world around about us. In John, the second chapter, and it's a great portion of Scripture there, and if, how many of you have friends that are Catholic or you have come from a Catholic background? This is a great portion of Scripture for reaching Catholic people. You know, the Bible speaks about Mary and says, Mary, blessed art thou among women. And that, you know what? We Protestants actually don't show that much respect to Mary. Did you know that? And in that situation, something transpires because this is what I've discovered. And I minister a lot in Ireland. And there, how many of you know there's a lot of Catholics in Ireland? But I've seen Catholic priests and I've seen nuns filled with the Spirit and being touched and coming to Christ and, and all these things happening as I've just paid a little bit of respect. And I say to the to Catholic people, you know, I, I apologize that, that as a Protestant, I, we haven't paid all the respect to Mary that should be. And then I asked them, but do you believe what Mary said? 
And they'll tell me, oh, yes, I believe what Mary said. How many of you got Catholic friends that believe what Mary said? But I take him to John 2, and in John 2, it's when Jesus did his first miracle, and the, the people came, and they spoke to Mary and said, we're running out of wine at the wedding. And Mary says something very profound, and this is the scripture I use when I just speak to them out of John 2, and just says, Mary says, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And you know what I do? I just take them over and show them. In the this is what Jesus said. He says, if you repent you sh and be baptized, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? They think, gee, I've never done that. And you know what? They receive just like that. So that'll help you with operating with your Catholic friends. But you see, in verse 11 of that portion of the Scripture, Jesus comes on the scene and he has them fill the water bottles. And they weren't just any water, water bottles. They were water bottles that were utilized for ceremonial cleansing. And they were filled up. And when they filled up with water, I believe God was trying to demonstrate that what was in them was pure and clean. And it's what needs to be within us, a filling of the fullness of God, because we know the water then turned to wine. In fact, the people said, the wine that you have presented to us now is far better than the wine you gave to us before. And this is what's important to understand. A Jewish wedding was generally about seven days long. And uh, it, it was just a festive time. And people got inebriated. I have a friend who is a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn, and his son told me when he got married, his father danced till he fell down and couldn't dance anymore. They just were exhausted with this. But in that instance and in that time, they Jesus presented to them the better wine. The better wine. And when they received it, they recognized that it was better. And they said, hey, most everybody else always gives the good wine at first till everybody gets soused. And then they drink, the, they bring out the bad stuff because you're so soused you don't even recognize it. I remember as a teenager, there was a, a wine that was real cheap. It was called Ripple. <laughs> and I grew up in Modesto, California. That was a home of Gallo Winery, and Gallo Winery did Ripple, and it was really cheap there. I think you could get a half gallon for 69 cents. I mean... And I mean, I remember drinking this wine and it was so bad that the whole grapes were in the bottom of the, the jar. That tells you how cheap it was. And I haven't cared for wine too much since because it was so bad. I drank so much of it. But I, it just put me off of wine. But God wants us to understand His new wine is being poured out. And he says he's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. And the glory of this latter house is going to be far greater than the glory of anything that was before. And we are his house. We are his temple. We are the place of his presence. It abides within us. And in John chapter 2, all this takes place. And it says in verse 11, and after he did this miracle, it says, and thus he revealed his glory. And his disciples 
put their faith in him. You see, when the glory of God gets manifested and demonstrated, people put their faith in God. And I dare to believe and dare to proclaim that I believe the miraculous reveals the glory of God. And people get touched when they see. They can't defend themselves from when God manifests His presence. And people are touched by His presence and glory. And the miraculous happens around about them. In Exodus, the 33rd chapter, in I spoke of that just a few minutes ago when I said to you, uh, in particular from about verse 12 to 14, it speaks about Moses saying to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. How many of you know God wants us to understand his word in such a way that we continue to grow in favor with God? God has more favor than what we have received. In fact, Psalms 5, verse 12 says this, Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with favor like a shield. And I dare to believe, remember the story in Job? I think it's Job 1 there, where Satan appears before God and God asks Satan, What have you been doing? He says, Oh, I've been roaming all over the earth. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And what does Satan say? Satan says, I've considered him, but you have a hedge of protection around him. I dare to proclaim that I believe God's favor is his protection around his people. But God wants us to recognize and realize his favor and blessing because it's going to be a characteristic that separates us from everybody else. But in this portion of Scripture, when God speaks and says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you, re- with you, remember that this nation is your people and we are God's people. Then, mo- then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I don't know about you, but I love God's presence. I love it. I want more of it. I think last time I was here, I, I said to you, uh, I think I said to you, you know, Lord, you can bless me now. I like, have you, do you ever say that? You know, I said it to you, but have you ever practiced it and said that? Lord, you can bless me now. You see, we, we feel a little awkward with that. How, well, how can I say to God, you can bless me? But that's what he says. Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous, and a righteous person is somebody in right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. Not what you've done, because what Jesus has done. And then surround us with your favor. I love it. But as you read on in that portion of Scripture, Moses eventually gets around to asking God, God, will you show me your glory? And God takes him. He says, nobody has seen my face and can live. How many know that? That's what the Bible says. So God takes him and he hides him in a cleft of a rock. Come up here. You be a rock. You come up here. You be Moses. So God takes him. You too big for Moses. 
Let me get you. I'll let you be the next. You come up here. You be Moses. <laughs> you're Moses. So you're standing and the rocks. Put your arms up over it. And so, yeah, you're into the cliff of the rock. You come by now. You're going to be God. <laughs> That's better than Moses, isn't it? And God says, I will walk by. And when I go by, you look at my backside. And when he went by, what, what did he see? He, the first thing God revealed to him. Thanks, you're a great rock. You're a great <laughs> Moses. You're a great God. The first thing he saw was this. He says, God revealed his goodness. And then the second thing, he revealed his name. And his name means Jehovah, which means I will be whatever you need me to be whenever you need me to be it. Do you know there are more than 7,000 scriptures or promises in the Bible that basically covers whatever we need for life and there's more than 90 renditions of God's name and when we apply those things we'll find that whatever we have need of God has already made provision isn't that wonderful but what's so incredible oh, these iPads they go dark aren't they? sorry somebody told me what to do but I forgot But what's so intriguing about this is in Acts 10.38, it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And what did he do? He went around doing good and healing all under the power of the devil. And it says, and God was with him. I want you to understand, God has given us his spirit. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is with us as well. God wants us to know that He has anointed us. That we will go around and we would do good deeds and good works. That's right. As Christians, we should be do-gooders. And not only that, but that we would heal. And basically, you know what that means? It means simply, you can't heal anybody in your own strength and your own power, but when you recognize it's God, you know what? It takes all the pressure off you. It takes it all off. I don't think I've been here since I... I, I, I think I told you the story about the guy with eight tumors. Yeah. I remember telling you before about the young girl in England with four tumors in her throat. Remember that? How God healed her miraculously and the tumors instantly disappeared. And all I did was put my hand on her shoulders because all the Lord said is, these signs will follow them that will believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I just put my hand on her shoulder. And I asked, how is it now since I put my hand on you and I've taken my hand off? And her eyes got big like saucers. She burst into tears. And she says, they're gone. And they were gone. So I was telling this story in South Africa. And when I told the story at the conclusion of the meeting, a father comes up to me and he says, uh, my son has eight tumors. Would you pray for him? He's going in for surgery tomorrow. The worst case scenario, he will be paralyzed from the waist down. He has two tumors on the brain and six in his back. And one of the six in his back is twisted around his spine. So the worst scenario will be he'll be paralyzed from the waist down. The best scenario, he'll only be paralyzed in his left leg. So you know what? I pray. I can't heal him anyway. I just said, Lord, won't you do what you want to do with this young man? That's it. 
That was in February. I didn't hear anything till May when I went back to South Africa. And when I was there, the, this man comes to see me and he says, do you remember me? And I go, well, you look familiar, but I don't remember where you're from or what your story is. And I said, I'm really sorry. And he goes, I just want to remind you, I'm the father of the boy that had eight tumors. And I go, oh yeah, I remember now. He goes, he goes would you like an update? And I said, I'd love an update. He goes, well, he went in for the next morning on the Monday to have surgery. And when he went in, the doctor said, well, let's take x-rays to know exactly precisely where everything is today so that when we, we don't make any mistakes with the surgery. He says, when they checked the x-rays, the two tumors on the brain were gone and five in his back were gone. The only one remaining was the one twisted around his spine. And they were just blown away. The doctor took him into surgery and came out within 10 minutes. And he said, uh, I've never seen anything like this before. He goes, we made one little incision about four inches long. And he goes, here, look, the tumor rolled out, the one that was twisted around his spine, rolled out of his back into my hand. And it had the tentacles that had been twisted around the spine. And he goes, your son will be in the recovery room within 10 minutes. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. And you see, God is not a respecter of persons. You believe that? He loves everybody. He doesn't want anybody to perish. And in that situation and in that economy with God, you know, when we recognize we can't do any healing, that it's God that does it anyway, it takes and lifts the pressure off of us. And that's what I want to do with you tonight. I want to lift the pressure to produce off you because the fruit that will come forth from you will be from God. It's not from you anyway. But here's what's transpired in Ezekiel 39, 29 great portion of scripture. It's probably become one of my favorite scriptures. I love it. Here's what it says. How many of you know Israel is a type of the church? You can interchange church or Israel. You know that? Here's what it says. I will no longer hide my face from them for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel or the church declares the sovereign Lord. I will no longer hide my face from them. I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. And you see, when Jesus died at Calvary, and when he declared it was finished, there was a middle wall of partition like a huge cloth veil that was anywhere from 10 to 25 inches in thickness. And it says from the top, and it, from the top was about 18 feet high. From the top, it was torn all the way to the ground. And I believe that it was God that tore it so God could get out to fellowship with you and I. He couldn't wait to get with us. And then he pours out his spirit on all flesh. And you know what? That's what it was in the beginning of time. Man was created for intimacy with God. To have interaction with Him. And it says God would come and walk with man in the cool of the day. How many of you know it's the cool of the day in the evening and the cool of the day in the morning? It's not like some Caribbean island or Mauritius, which the weather, they have two seasons, just hot and hotter. Here you get four seasons. And, and God 
just walks with us in the cool of the day. And you could tell sometimes even on hot days it gets it cools down in the evening. Isn't that true? And you see, when Jesus died, he reinstated that place of intimacy that was available to mankind. And God wants to have intimacy with you and with me on a daily basis. Personal intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we can say, God will no longer hide his face from us because he's poured his spirit out upon us. Wow. I don't know about you, but that encourages me just to want to be in his presence. How about you? In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14, it speaks of how when God, at the dedication of the temple, God's glory and his presence came down and so manifest, it said it was like a cloud and the priests couldn't stand to minister. It wasn't that they didn't want to minister. It was they couldn't see to minister because of the presence and the glory of God. The Azusa Street Revival. William Seymour, a one-eyed black man, would sit in the first row with a cardboard box over his head, and he wouldn't even get up to minister till the manifest presence and the glory of God would begin to show in the meeting. And he would take the box top off and begin to minister because he never wanted the attention put upon himself, but he wanted it upon God. I yearn for the day that God's presence gets so thick in our meetings that we can't stand to minister because of his glory and because of his presence. You guys are poised for what God wants to do, and you have such good worship people that will help take you to that place if you will but embrace it fully. In 1 Kings, the 8th chapter, verse 5, it says this. It says, They were sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. What does that say to you? This is what it says to me. I believe Israel had accountants in that day, worked for the king. They understood what to, to recognize and how to audit and things of that nature. I believe what it says is they sacrificed until God's presence manifested because that's what they were after his manifested presence so when you come together come together with an intention of God's manifested presence to so manifest in such a way that people get healed in the meetings that I've seen uh, not long ago people four people filled with the Holy Spirit as we were just talking and preaching in the meeting because as people were yielding to God God's presence was so strong that God was baptizing people in the Holy Spirit in the meeting. People getting healed in the meeting because His presence is so strong here among us. See, it wasn't about the number of the sheep or the cattle that they were offering. It was about bringing the presence of the Lord into the meeting. And I know this is a church that loves the presence of God. This is a church that wants more of God. Isn't that true? Amen. What's intriguing about the priest of old in Hebrew culture is they wore like a long dress or a robe. I think Mark would probably look pretty good in one. <laughs> but around the bottom of the robe, they had a bell and a pomegranate. 
And the bell was there for when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, the very place where God's presence was so strong that if he was impure, he would die. But as long as they heard the bell continuing to ring, they knew he was still alive in the presence of God. What does that say to me? It says in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, it says, We are a kingdom of priests. We're a royal priesthood. That's God's desire for us, isn't it? It's what we are. Which indicates to us we are all priests and that it is possible to operate from a position of abiding in his presence. Abiding in his presence. That he's ever with us. I was recently in Adelaide, Australia. It was in July, I guess it was. And I was sitting with a pastor. We were getting ready. We were having lunch. And we were getting ready to... Uh, he was getting ready to leave and stuff. And a lady, two tables over, says, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. Do you mind if my husband and I come and join your table? And about that time, the pastor said, well, I'm, getting, I'm leaving now, so I'll see you. And so he left me with this couple. And as they got there, they began to sit down and they began to talk. And they began to open up. And they began to spew against the church all their uh, hurt and things of the disillusionment that they had experienced in their experience with the church. And after a few minutes, I was able to say to them, you know what? God allowed you to overhear that conversation because he loved you so much that he brought you here so that I could minister to you. Do you mind if I pray for you that God will lift all this hurt out of your heart and the animosity and anxiety you have towards the church so you could be restored into relationship with him? They allowed me to pray right there on the spot. That was on a Friday. On, a, on the, win, the next Wednesday, I'm ministering in Northern California. I'd already flown back. And I'm ministering in Northern California, and at the end of the meeting, a guy just lingers and wants to talk to me. I can see it. So the host says, look, I can see this guy wants to speak to you. I'm going to leave and just leave him to talk to you. And in the natural, my mind says, thanks a lot. <laughs> but then the guy said, you know, I've never said these things to anybody. And he began to open up, and he said, I, I w I've been married for 12 years. He goes, I've got grown children now. But he goes, over the last 30 years, I've been involved in two homosexual relationships, and I'm involved in one of them still today. He goes, do you think God can love me? And you know what? Because of the presence of God, I was able to minister to him, and I've heard since from him that he's doing much better, and God has been touching his life in every way. That's the God that we serve, that he loves us and he wants us to know we're anointed so we can make a difference and his abiding presence is upon us so that wherever we're at, we're at, no matter what time of the day or night, he can utilize us to touch those around about us. But also, the priest had a pomegranate around the base of their garments, which shows the, that there's perpetual fruitfulness that God wants us to operate in. Fruit, guess what? You don't have to tell a fruit tree to grow. It just grows and produces fruit. Isn't that true? God has an expectation. We will just grow and continue to grow, and we'll just bear fruit. And he wants us to understand that we are to be a fruitful people. Christianity is not all about me. Turn to your person next to you and just tell them it's not all about you. 
I could see some of you have wanted to say that to that person for a long time. So what does that say to you? It says this to me. Because God wants us to be fruitful, God wants us to abide in his presence, he says to, it says to me that presence and fruitfulness go hand in hand with God. God wants us to be fruitful in his presence with people. So no matter where we're at, whether we're at the grocery store, whether we're at school, whether we're out shopping at the Flatirons Mall, it doesn't matter where we're at, what our vocation is, or wherever we're at, God's presence can manifest and touch those around about us. Thirdly, what makes it so significant about the priests, that the priests all shopped at Victoria's Secrets. In other words, they all wore linen undergarments. And why did they wear linen undergarments? Because linen undergarments do not cause you to perspire or sweat. Sweat shows effort. Sweat shows work. And God wants us to operate in the power of the Spirit. That He is operating through us. And it isn't effort. It isn't work. I know in my own life, it was work and it was effort at times to minister to people because I felt like, oh, I have to produce, I have to do. You know what? God's lifted that. And he wants to lift it off all of you. You don't. Ha it's not about performance. It's about abiding in his presence, just doing what he says to do, how he says to do it. That was the success of Jesus, wasn't it? He only did what he saw the Father doing, only said what he heard the Father saying. It wasn't initiated out of himself. So what does that say? That says he wants us to operate from position as sons and daughters, carrying the glory of his presence with him and not out of effort. Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says God wants to do more than we ask, think, or imagine, but it's according to his power that's at work within us. It's not our power his power he's the creator of the universe you know what i don't have any problem with the big bang theory i think when god said let there be light i think there was a big bang <laughs> that's right i think there was a big bang and it says that power is the same power that god used when he raised christ from the dead and he tells us he's given that power to us wow i love it this is what he says to us in John 17, verse 22. Jesus said, The glory you have given me, I have given to them. Have you received his glory? You see, it's one thing for a person to give something. It's another thing to receive it. Isn't that true? If I took a dollar out of my pocket and offered that dollar to someone one of these young men here. He said, here, this is, for, this is for one of you guys. Until they came and got it, it would still just be sitting there. Isn't that right? I really meant what I said. Whoever comes and gets this can have this. Yeah. Yeah. 
God likes girls too. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Man. I offered it. It was there for the taking. Ladies first. Yeah, but the Bible says the last shall be first. So if ladies are first, then you being last, you should have come first. see, God has given his glory to his body. You see, if Jesus is the head, we're attached to the head, and all of his glory and splendor is upon him, that glory comes and reflects out of us as well. Isn't that true? 1 Peter 4, verse 14, the second part of the verse, here's what it says, For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You see, it's resting there whether you recognize it or not. That's incredible. You see, you can't have something until your mind says you can have it. Isn't that true? God wants you to know His glory is already resting upon you. His presence is already resting upon you. I love that. 1 Corinthians 6.19, He tells us, You are my temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's glory abides in His temple. The Old Testament is a picture of what is to come. The Old Testament is where God's glory resided and manifested. In the New Testament, we are His temple and His glory resides within us and fills us. And as carriers of God's glory, He just wants His glory to be released wherever we go. His presence. You see, if something that is light, if this room, all the lights were turned out and and then one light comes on, it would be show forth the light of God. And God says to us, we are the light of the world. We show His presence. We demonstrate His presence. We manifest it. So often we don't realize or recognize that God's glory is on us and that we are carriers of His presence. Wherever we go, we carry God's DNA within us. That releases God's glory for us. So what's our application? How does this affect us? It's great to hear a message, but how does this apply to our lives? One, we're called to abide and operate in His presence. He's called us to do that. Number two, He's called us to be fruitful. And when we're attached to Him, who is the true vine, we will bear fruit. And we have the right to ask the question. I don't want anybody to answer it. But the question being this, Jesus said, if you follow me, you will be. I will make you. Make you is a pretty strong word, huh? I will make you to be a fisher of men. So the question we must ask ourselves is if I'm not catching any men, am I really a follower of Jesus? I don't want anybody to answer. You see, repentance is real simple. All repentance is the direction we're going, we make an about face and we change the direction. In other words, if I'm not abiding and I'm not operating out of His presence... I change to move towards His presence. 
and we can move towards his presence through worship and enjoy his presence and worship. How many of you love the worship here? I do. There's a great aid that will help you on the internet called worshipmob.com. It's free. But you can download up to 95 songs that they've done. That they don't. It's not a four to five minute song. It's a t- they take a four to five minute song, but they worship with that song anywhere from 12 to 20 minutes. And it's in a DVD format. And once you're registered freely, you can download it. And if you download it, if you got it Mac and you have Apple TV, you can show it on your TV screen and just worship with these people as they worship God. Worship brings his presence. When you abide in his word, his, he manifests with his presence through his word. When you meet with God's people, he manifests his presence with his people. Number three, we're called to operate in the power of the Spirit from position and not from effort or work on our own 